It's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I can follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, <laughs> and that's what I like doing. Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm warm. Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking, like, a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We are going to do part two of our off-season news roundup. Robbie, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great. I, I feel like... Um... Yeah, it was supposed to just be a one-parter, and our technical issues uh, far surpassed anything that I could have imagined on our last. On episode. both ends, yeah, we both had issues. Yeah, but we're we're back. We're ready to go. Yes, yes. Why don't you give us a cheers? I'll go. Uh, cheers to uh, John Rom. Uh, a nice uh, U.S. Open win on. Yeah, we're going off of VT football right now. Uh, he just recently had his first kid. I'm a big, big golf fan, and on Father's Day, won the U.S. Open, and how about uh, just another happy Father's Day out there for all of our listeners that are fathers, so we'll just tie it into that, so happy yeah. Father's Day. Cheers to the dads. So we're going to finish up our news, as I said, and just a few more topics here, and let's just start with the transfers, get right to it. The transfer portal has always been a little bit of a thing for Tech the last couple of years, and this year we had a couple entries since our last podcast. Tyree Saunders, wide receiver, Justin Beatles, the defensive end, and Deshaun Crawford, the defensive tackle, all entered the transfer portal. Yes, Tyree and Justin hadn't really played. They were high three-star recruits that we were kind of excited about, both of them for different reasons, but Deshaun Crawford had started a bunch of game for us two years ago and was very, very good in those games. Yeah. Losing Crawford is, that is not good. That is a position that we have been talking about since, well, at at that position, since Tim settle, when we were all like really high on, you know, that, that position really coming together. And he, he did start for us and he was actually a really good player. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's the end of the world or any of those things, but it, it's it's a loss. That is an absolute loss uh, for this program in a position that we've been hoping to really build a foundation around and trying to see what, you know, what used to be a really good defensive line for Virginia Tech and ha- has struggled more and more so over the years. Yeah. With Williams coming in, I suppose Crawford knocked a little bit down the depth chart and his injury last year, maybe it's lingering. He wanted more reps, but I think he's going to Southern Miss. So yeah. um, I guess a downgrade in terms of a P5 to a G5, but uh, hopefully for his sake, he'll get on the field more. As for Saunders, the only reason that's alarming is because it's another wide receiver. Yeah. And Saunders was a big tech proponent as well when he was being recruited, was very outspoken on social media, went on a few different places to do interviews, talking about Virginia Tech and how excited he was and was 
for us, a higher level recruit. So a little shocking, but it's the compounding factor of losing all these wide receivers what got my radar up. Eight of 12 scholarship wide receivers since 2017 have transferred and haven't finished their eligibility at Virginia Tech. And for a program that Fuente had talked about wanting, what, up to eight or nine guys that could play, you're at never going to get there if this keeps happening. Yeah, at least that many is what he he wanted. So it's it's just it's just confusing, I guess. The the narrative that's coming down from the coach and then seeing what's happening out there, it's um and Saunders was like you said, a big proponent of Virginia Tech, tried to like help recruit other players to the program and to have this happen. Um, you know, best of luck to him. There's no like ill will, but it just for the program it seems a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, we keep losing wideouts, and it's tough. Beatles, there was a lot of promise there. I think people loved his size and frame. It was unrealized, and we don't we don't know if he ever would have been much. But uh, to me, that was the third disappointing one. I'm not here to complain about Wheatley or Simmons or Debose or Tyree Rogers, who all also entered the portal. That's kind of just a fact of life these days. You're gonna lose guys that aren't starting or are down on the depth chart to get more reps at a different place, and that's fine. Not complaining about them, but those three guys initially, I think, could affect our depth going forward. Yep. Linebacker C.J. McCray is transferring to Virginia Tech from Marshall. He enrolled in May, and I would have to assume this had something to do with J.C. Price. Yeah, I would imagine that's uh, absolutely – I think he's going to actually fill a pretty good role. I mean, that is a good player, and I think at linebacker in particular – I don't. I don't know that we've necessarily figured it out, right? With and we have a lot of, we have a lot of experience, honestly, at linebacker. It's just not, it's not just not a lot of consistency, and I don't really know that we know, and too many knows, but where everybody fits, uh, <laughs> yep. in, in the system, and I think that's uh, an added bonus for Virginia Tech to have him come in and he's a, he's a very very good player. So I'm I'm hopeful that he can add to the depth which is you know we'll always take it. It's very important at that position. And he's especially. he's long, right? He's like 6 foot 3, yeah. I think. Big so, big dude. So that's hopefully exciting. some swats of uh, you know, <laughs> you know, some short quarterbacks if we're going up against them. And just to finish off that linebacker thought, I think the transition to from Bud into newer college football, even at the end of his tenure, and now into Jayham as the defensive coordinator, our roles for the linebackers have, have changed. It's not the same whip linebackers it used to be. Connor yep. plays more of a safety position. And so that also has a lot of Hokie fans confused because we're not exactly sure we're looking at the same stuff we looked at for 20 years. That's right. And Dax is probably going to move over to that middle linebacker spot, which should be his more natural position. Tisdale can start at backer. So those two things are exciting, uh, but we're going to need depth there and we'll see how Keyshawn Artis finally fills in. He He's someone that's been at Tech for a while and seems to have some skill and good in the weight room, but hasn't gotten on the field. So yeah. I, I do is, like it. Artis is an amazing athlete. And like, and then you have, I don't know what's going to happen. Dax, I'm hoping this is the position that he was like kind of meant for. He he had been moved around and kind of outplayed by some other players. So um, I don't know. I, I have hope at that position. I don't know what it's going to look like when we see it on the field. Yeah. Let's move to recruiting. We got several commitments this past weekend, but let's go back just a little before because I want to talk about the quarterback recruit 
Alex Orji from Texas. He's a class of 2022 guy, 6'3", 225, a 88.47 in the composite, a top 500 player. And he had Oklahoma offer, Michigan offer, TCU, Baylor, Nebraska, even down the road at UVA. So he's, I guess, the second highest rated recruit in the class, but probably the most important since he plays quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, especially since if you're getting an offer from Oklahoma, I, I don't think we need to remind At the quarterback anybody. position? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is important. If uh, Lincoln Riley is going to give you an offer, then you know you got something good uh, happening right there. In a top 500 recruit, uh, he has, I mean, two, 225. Uh, it, that is, he, he's a little bit he's not a huge guy but six two is good like i'm six one so he's a little bit taller than me so then that's about it and but 225 is that's a good size for like a, a really versatile um quarterback and so i think it's a good pickup i wish we still had hooker on the team only because we could make hooker orchy jokes and it would be so good but but i digress we also got a commitment from johnny dixon committed back in april offensive lineman also from texas six foot three three ten he's probably going to be on the interior an eight seven seven six composite score for him i like that dixon pickup and i tend to trust vance vice and that's going to come into play later when we talk about some of the other guys yeah i mean vance vice is you know, I, I joked around before we got cut off on our last episode when we were going through this, but I, I'm more worried about keeping Vance Vice at this point because he continues to bring in really, really outstanding offensive linemen. And not only that, then he develops them so well. And at, at 285, 6'3", and this is another top 500 recruit that's coming in. I'm pretty excited about uh, Johnny Dixon. I think I think he's going to be good. It, the nice thing about Vice is the guys who are our big recruits, whether it was Nestor or Hudson or uh, Tenuta, like mm-hmm. all of them have been living up to their f- recruiting ranking. The only ones that haven't have been Walker Culver, who had to retire because right. of a foot thing, and uh, Jesse Hansen. He was a little bit lower, but he hasn't done anything really yet but for the most part if he brings in a, a good high level recruit they they develop and they they do well in the system Absolutely. and hansen and walker culver was that was an injury related yeah. situation mm-hmm. you can't really help that um but hansen and even hansen he had some good games like it wasn't like that was not a dud situation it just and he's it he's a redshirt freshman i mean yeah. he still has a chance to contribute yeah. to this team so we shall see Lamar Law was the next guy, defensive line from Virginia Beach. We needed a Virginia kid, six foot four, two eighty. Love that size. Currently unranked in the composite, but he's an eighty-five on two four seven, which is is a good note. Uh, but at two eighty, I mean six four, that's a huge player. I would assume he's going to move inside at some point. A hundred percent. This guy's a <laughs> he, he's a beast, and his, his stats. I have him. It depends on where you go because everybody wants to like build up their size. The, the stat I saw was 6'5", and oh, they geez. had him from between 265 and 280. So even if you split the middle there, it, that's that's a big dude on the defensive mm-hmm. line that is going to be um, awesome. I, I have high hopes for him. I, I really think that that's going to be a big pickup for us. Unlike the old days where you bring in a guy who's 220 pounds and six foot zero and have to pack on weight, like it's already there. So yep. that's nice if he's going to play end up playing defensive tackle. Yep. 
this past weekend, we got, I think we're up to five guys that committed in the past five or six days. Jackson LaHue was the first one. Jackson LaHue, six foot five, two eighty five, offensive tackle from Texas. <laughs> another, another Texas kid. You're noticing the theme of our recruiting director, mm-hmm. uh, Texas 2VT. We have to give some props to because we were kind of, I think it was, I think that was part of that, what actually got recorded last week. It was, but we kind of ripped on him, but I mean, there's a lot coming in. So he's, he's delivering. So I said, he's delivering until I see what they can do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's the thing that we don't know yet. Um, The whole Texas to VT thing was always more of a, a ploy than it was actuality. And yeah. if if Demetrius Davis had ended up coming yep. or Charles Neville, then maybe more of a thing. But this LaHoo kid seems decent, but he only has one Power 5 offer, and it's from us. All Everyone else is Ivy Leagues. So this is, this is why we criticize Davidson, because we don't know. It's hard to look at these recruiting rankings and get too, too excited, because the, these ones that are coming in now are a little bit lower. Yeah. And so we'll move to uh, Malcolm Jones, yep. six foot one safety from Georgia, unranked. Matt Hoffman, six foot four tight end from Pennsylvania, not ranked. And when I say not ranked, that means completely not ranked. Not by two four seven, not by the composite, nothing. And then there's Johnny Garrett today, another tackle, offensive tackle from Boston. Uh, he had a BC offer, but that was his only other P five. He had Army and Air Force. Besides, I guess it's nice with LaHue and with Garrett. They both are getting like smart school offers. So like, at least it means they're intelligent. And if they have size, then that means usually they can help. That helps develop them if they have the smarts as well. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of why we, anyone has ripped on this recruiting. Cause like, yeah, it was nice to get orgy and we're going to talk about Simmons in a minute, which is the yeah. highest recruit in our class. That's a big but commitment. these, these, these kids that just came in, you know, a bunch of unrated guys, that's what the fan base gets upset about. Yeah. The, and there was commentary. Well, if we take a step back, right, from the actual players, there's been commentary that right now, especially right now, that the coaches are going after what they think is a fit in the program, which I, I consider they're kind of doubling down, right? Like this is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they are doubling down on players that they think can they can develop and build into players that will be beneficial to Virginia Tech football. That said, they're also kind of putting their resumes like like you're you're putting your badge down on the table because if it doesn't pay if it pays off, you're going to look like a genius because you just went out there and you just stole a bunch of people out there and obviously they wouldn't be making these offers and taking these people in unless they looked at film and really believed in them. Let's be honest because yeah. we're we're but it's going to cut one way or the other. I don't know what it's going to be. Either they're going to look like geniuses or they're going to look like fools because right. the vast majority of what we just brought in is on the basically unranked players like in the entire country. So well, either that or sub 500 t- sub 700 yeah. players. The last three classes have been the majority of sub 500 players and Typically in the past, we would get a handful of top 500 guys every year. Now we're talking about like maybe one, maybe two. We'll see how this class ends up. And I wonder if they're they're swinging lower because they made all those swings at the higher guys and couldn't bring any of them in. So they want to make sure they can get guys they like who might just be farther down the totem pole. Yeah. Or 
since we're the best developmental program in the country, Robbie, maybe if you take a bunch of two stars, not ranked guys, and you put one in the NFL, you could say, hey, we developed that guy. You can't you can't say we didn't develop him. So I I, I don't know. And and yeah. but let's not Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not as I'm not as negative on it. It's it's just it's tough to see what the outcome is going to be. I know and we're, we're going to find out because very quickly of what the outcome is going to be. So I'd like, I'm not just, it's suspect. It would, nobody will ever argue against having a bunch of four and five stars mm-hmm. as like mm-hmm. the ideal. I, I think that the program itself recognized that they couldn't go get those guys and they try to go get the best underrated talent that they could find that doesn't have offers from the people that could get stolen underneath their shoes. So like, yep. I think that's what maybe we're trans- seeing transpire. And some of their evaluations have been spot on. Look at Dorian strong. I mean, yep. and you can always find an example, but that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, I don't think he had any power five offers, maybe no D one offers, but like it, he was, he was a very low recruit and he's been awesome. And I have very high hopes for him going forward. Let's talk about, our top recruit, Xavier Simmons, six yep. foot three, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, from Greensboro, North Carolina. Eight eight nine one in the composite and a ninety-one on the two four seven in-house rankings. He is a top two hundred recruit, yep. according to two four seven. He had an Oklahoma offer, South Carolina, our rivals UNC and UVA, and also Missouri. So awesome pickup again at that linebacker position. Uh, this is back, reminds me of when we got Dax and when we yes. got Tisdale. And when there was a few other guys, oh, we got like five good linebackers all at once. This is what this is reminding me of right now. And this guy is a, a monster. And the fact that he had offers from both NC State and UNC, in, like it, that is huge. And UNC, we may not like to say it, is recruiting crazy. Right? And they mm-hmm. have been for the past few years. And to to steal this guy out of home territory and bring him in, and I really, I really have high hopes for this guy. I think he's going to be awesome. With you, 100% love this kid. So that's 11 commits in the 2022 class now. Three offensive linemen, two tight ends, two defensive line. And I guess it says two quarterbacks, but one of them is Devin Farrell. I don't know yeah. what his final position will be, but, but we'll find out eventually. Just two kids from Virginia that will increase. But as we talked about on our last podcast, it's not going to be the level that we had seen in the past. Yeah, and yeah, we're, we're it's it's it hasn't been great. So let's just <laughs> uh, like put it that way. And you know, there's I I have high it's it's trending better right now than it has in the past. I know not from your point in terms of like what the twenty four seven is showing, but there's a little bit of momentum, which kind of gets me excited. A little bit of momentum to come to the school, maybe not with the most outstanding recruits but there is a little bit there to get behind and momentum is important so i i i do like what's been going on and they seem to be getting good kids so we'll see how it shakes out we did have a nice addition which will be a more immediate impact in juco commitment bob schick 66 300 pounds another tackle uh this kid played in utah was first team all-american at the juco level yep uh, and he and he's a little bit older because he did a two-year mission right after high school. So we're getting like a 20, 21-year-old kid coming right in at six foot six, 300. He might be able to help us out immediately at offensive line. I think he has five years of eligibility ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> like basically we just we just robbed Boise State and all of uh you know all the people from that side of the country Utah and after his mission so that is awesome you're going to have a mature person inside of the locker room that's you know been around and obviously has his head on straight and you know I think that's that's awesome yeah the only bad news i had was the changa hodge torn acl yeah that was Tough to hear because with our wide receiver depth being what it is and Changa coming in from Villanova late in the game last summer, I expected him to contribute. But once Khalil Herbert took off and we became <clears throat> became kind of a run first team that wasn't in the cards and with COVID and everything else, it just didn't work out for him. And I was hoping that this year would be Changa's year because he yeah. would absolutely be able to get on the field. But unfortunately, he got hurt and maybe he'll suit up for us one day. Maybe he won't. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I just feel bad for him. That's such a a shitty situation. That really sucks. Payout also had the plate in his leg removed. So that's some good news. And he should be a full go come fall, according to Fuente. And if we can have Tavion, and we obviously have Trey Turner and James Mitchell, if you can add someone to that. Just just one. Yeah. And with speed like him, that could be huge. Yeah, I mean, that would change the whole dynamic. You have Mitchell, who has a, a, a real big. You got obviously got Trey Turner, who has great hands. You're going to add payout to that. I, it, they're, that's a, that is a solid four core right there. And then if it, we can add yeah. to that. And payout was a high recruit. And the, all the potential seems to be there. We, we've heard about him a lot, and he's just been battling injuries. But I, I'm excited to see what he can do next fall. Let's take a quick beer break before we move to our just spring football kind of recap. It won't take too long, and then we'll be we'll be finished up. Robbie, what are you drinking over there? Uh, I am having. I don't think I've had it on here. The Citra Dreams. It's uh, Captain Lawrence Brewing Company. I don't know if many people know that, but it's a uh, a pretty popular brewery up in the uh, Northeast, and it's seven percent alcohol by volume. It's a delicious IPA. Got that whole kind of citrine dreams theme going with it. Like and that. very, very good. It's a hazy IPA. I like it. I Captain Lawrence makes a lot of like really high end good hazy IPAs. And this one is not like one of the best I've had from them, but it's very good. Yeah. I love their beers. The yeah. few that I've had, I probably had like maybe four or five. They've all been pretty outstanding. Yeah. They're from New York, I believe. Yeah. I am drinking the Fighting Hokies Lager. It's about time we reviewed this on the podcast. Hardywood made this announcement along with the school last fall, sometime during the end of football season. And now the beer is here. A lot of people have been tweeting about it on social media. The bottle is just gorgeous. You got the old school gobbler logo. Says Fighting Hokies underneath. Made by a great brewery in Hardywood. This isn't some no-name brewery. They got a good brewer to pair with, and it should be available in the stadium come next fall. I know because now alcohol sales are going to be allowed in the stadium. It's going to be crazy. Five percent alcohol. It's a pretty traditional lager. I would liken it to Yinling. That's what my buddy said. My buddy Brian, he kind of said, yeah, it kind of tastes like Yinling. Um, slightly different, though. I feel like there's a little bit more of a crisp finish on this thing. Uh, but I love the bottle. It's kind of got like that old medicinal Robitussin-style bottle. It's, it's an enjoyable thing. And even if you didn't like the beer all that much, you got to have it in your fridge for football season. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a requirement. <laughs> 
All right, so there was no spring game. I talked about it on social media. It was articles were written, podcasts were had about this topic. We won't go too deep into it, but I think both of us thought that the current local guidelines that prevented the game from happening uh, were kind of more of an excuse than than prohibitive of actually having the game. Yeah. I'm going to be, we recorded this once before, but it, it, obviously we didn't get to actually record <laughs> it. So I'll be a little bit more peaceful this time. But um, this is arguably the stupidest thing that Fuente's done under like the current like regime that he's had at Virginia Tech. And that's me being peaceful. Well, it, it just, <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, I said it before, out of all of the ACC teams, only two teams didn't do it. Louisville and us were the only two teams that didn't televise a spring game and didn't have a spring game, period. Uh, and then coming off of, I, I, if you rewind our podcast a year ago, you, we actually said, hey, it's great because they were going to televise the spring game. Obviously, COVID got in the way. And we were saying that's a great idea. This is like a way to like promote the Virginia Tech brand, allow people across the country. Virginia Tech is not just about like Northern and Southern Virginia. It's it should be a nationwide program. And if you're not allowing people to experience that, that is just so stupid. It's so dumb. It just doesn't make any sense. And there was nothing and it's come out pretty widely that it actually didn't have much to do with like the local ordinance or anything that they could have done it. They could have actually done it. And even if they weren't any fans there, they could have just televised it. And we spent a bunch of money with the new ACC network on building this infrastructure for being able to televise things for softball, baseball, wrestling, all these sports, including football and then you try and act like we weren't able to televise a spring game when they're practicing anyway. It's just, it was mind-blowingly dumb. And I, I'm sorry, it's it's passionate to me because I can't just like take the time and then like drive down four hours to, to Blacksburg. Like I can't, I can't do that whenever, like willy-nilly to go watch the spring game. That's why I love watching it on TV. And it was just so, it was heart-wrenching just stupid yeah it's it's painful because even if you were saying it's it's covid why take the risk stream the game like just just stream it with nobody there we had a thousand fans all season we can do a thousand fans one more time you don't have to fill the stadium but it was something about blacksburg and and they hid behind the local ordinance bs and it was very muddy as to it was some finger pointing and that kind of thing but there was no excuse not to have a game with no fans and stream it. It is an advertising opportunity. It's a chance to put the kids who bust their butt on a stage and enjoy themselves by playing the actual game. And you just robbed everyone, your the community of Virginia Tech of enjoying the game. And and cuz cuz you can't lose a spring game, you know? <laughs> Maybe the team doesn't play great on either side of the ball, but you can't lose and it's just a fun, enjoyable thing that honestly it it's like I said, it's free PR. Like why Wit being who he is, knowing the, the the deficit shortfall that we have, how we couldn't have it, I'm I'm blown away. And to me it has to be a Fuente decision, but we'll never we'll never know the true details behind that. Going forward, yes, we hope that it will be 
on ACC Network. It should have been on ACC Network. You you can say it was local, this and that. Every team that wants to be a big-time team, as Witt said, a championship brand, all those schools, they had spring games. They found a way to work with Clemson, South Carolina, to work with Tuscaloosa, to work with their local towns, and they got a game in despite COVID. So I, it's it's extremely frustrating. Just to, another example of just missing the mark. It's just absolutely missing the mark. Yeah, and it's everybody's like the the counterpoint that everybody always uses. It's like, well, it's just the spring game. It's not really a game. Like it's just like, guess what? Like, yeah. yeah. We we didn't have a good season, but I still watched every Virginia Tech game last year. <laughs> like, so like, what's your point? So that like, it, just because it's not like a real game, like it, like I want to watch Virginia Tech on a football field playing. I don't care if it's a scrimmage. I don't care if it's like a seven on seven. I it's really a recruiting opportunity too. Yeah, it's it, it, I hate that argument. That's like, well, it's just it's the spring game. Who really cares? It's like, well, I care. And guess what? Yeah. I if I'm the I'm, if I'm the only one that cares, I would be very 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 surprised because I'm sure <laughs> no. a lot of other people out there care, and I want to watch Virginia Tech play football and enjoy it, whether there's fans in the stadium or not. Period. And I think I think a lot of the diehards felt that way. If you're the people that are saying it's just a game, you probably didn't go to Tech between you know 1995 and. 2011 you you probably got there just a little bit afterwards if you're saying it's just a game because the spring game was a very great day in Blacksburg and at Virginia Tech and and I I hate how it's been kind of like dumbed down to this thing that's not important all right let's move to the actual football from spring the good news appears to be that the offensive line and defensive line look like our strongest two positions and I've always been a fan of whether it was Bill Parcells or whoever, like you win in the trenches. I absolutely 100% believe that you can have the best wide receivers in the world, but if you can't block, you're not going to get the ball to them. So I love that our O-line, despite the guys hopping in the portal should have a good starting five. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. The the biggest change that's happened in Virginia tech football over the last five years, arguably is our offensive line. And uh, it's not even close. Uh, it's just been that much of a difference. So to hear again that it's looking good, the defensive line, obviously, we're not as big as as strong or as dominant as we used to be. And then after that, my real only worry coming into this, and we have a couple of them because we already had talked about this, is just the I just want to make sure the wide receiving core is there, right? Like it's quarterback and wide receivers and just seeing what happens at that position. I think when Mitchell, I think we're going to be fine at tight end. Um, and obviously he plays a huge component of, of the wide receiver core, but I, I'm a little bit more worried. But you have about Gallo that. as well at tight end. Oh yeah, so that's, that's y- true. Great, great point. Um, behind offensive and defensive line. And we'll talk about the defensive line in a little bit more depth in a second is running back as as far as how I feel, just because I liked what Holston did last year. I think Blackshear is poised to make a big leap because I don't think he showed us all that he's capable of. If you look at his Rutgers highlights, like the kid can really play, and I know it sounds kind of like a counterintuitive of Rutgers highlights, but Blackshear had no, a lot of highlights na- for that school. He was school. nasty. Yeah, he mean. was really good, receiving and running. So I think he'll make a big leap. And then you have... 
the rest of the guys, Marco Lieb, uh, Keyshawn yep. King, yep. maybe Taj Gary, a bunch of the new freshmen. So and if King puts on weight, I mean, that kid's that kid is really, really good too. So, I mean, if he can put some size, and he's obviously very skinny and didn't have a lot of weight on him, but if he puts on like size and muscle, it, he could be dangerous as well. Yeah, so I feel good about O-line running back and defensive line. It, that was probably the position I think people talked about the most after spring. It just... I kept hearing, like, it's looking really good. There's a new attitude. They look real fierce out there. Pollard's up in weight. Williams came in as a leader. Barno is just poised for a breakout season. If you, if you don't already want to call last year a breakout, um, he could – if you look at his end-of-the-year numbers, like, they were just ridiculous for yeah. tackles for loss and everything else. He could have a, a huge season and go to the NFL. This is his third year, right? Well, he's a Juco and he had one year with us, so at least three. Yeah. But I, I, so yeah, I, don't I think know. he can go to the NFL like next year. Like if he yeah. really like you know, does what he did last year and then like really turns it on, I think he yeah, has a lot of promise ahead of him. For sure. The defensive tackle depth obviously took the hit with Crawford, but with Fuga and Williams and Pollard yeah. and Kendricks, right? Like yep. so, you 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 still got a good two deep there, and I think Pollard um, is really going to break out this season. I have a feeling yeah. that he's really going to do well this season. Yeah, and I think they might move Pollard around a little bit too. Like, I think he's very dynamic, um, kind of a tweener, like yep. between a defensive end and a defensive tackle, but has great burst, and you know he plays with that energy. So I'm I'm psyched to see the DL this year, and you also have the year of uh, Cheerlink being in the system for for over a year. And now, now the players are used to him, used to his style. And I mean, you got to remember, like he's been Tierling's been there, what like like nineteen months, I think. Yeah, he's probably been in, in the program less than like, that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'll be good to see that that group going forward. Uh, as for who to be worried about, I think it's quarterback. It's a little bit of linebacker, just I don't know how Dax is going to adjust, and Tisdale's been up and down, and, of course, wide receiver, as you already mentioned. Uh, DB could be strong. Um, tight end you talked about, but if if Waller comes back and is everything yep. that he was in the past and Hunter comes back yep. and finally plays up to his potential – we could ha- we could be absolutely amazing in the back, or if both those things fall flat on their face, we could have just as many questions as last year. I I couldn't agree more. I I don't know. I I have this feeling that Waller is going to come back strong. Like and I don't, he's just so talented. He 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 really is a, like an amazing athlete. I I really think that he's going to be the foundation of that backfield and. and that's just a guess. I don't know anything, but I, I do feel like that's going to be a huge, huge uh, boost to this this backfield, as long as he's healthy and it's just we keep getting snake bitten with some yeah. of our best players. I think the backbone of the defense will be Ch- Chamari Connor. I mean, we, we yeah. know this, the kind of numbers tackling-wise he can put up, but Dorian Strong is going to be right there with him. Yeah. I think he will be our our most skilled DB, the most pass breakups, that kind of thing. But between Connor Strong, Waller, and then you have Hunter, Chapman, and then some of the guys that came in, like Daly, you still have Taylor, uh, Jenkins, and Walker back there. Jenkins is younger, and and Walker's a little, you know, we had high hopes for Walker. He hasn't quite gotten there yet, but that's a lot of talent. 
that is a lot of talent in the back, and it could be a very special DB group. And, and you take that, and it's like, I don't want to get into the history of what happened, but Hunter is going to come out with a chip on his shoulder, right? Right, mm-hmm. like trying to prove what he can do, and like, I, I, I would be scared to go up against him right now because. He's got a lot on his shoulders, a lot of things. And if he refocuses energy on just football, he's going to be a dangerous guy in that. I mean, he pled down his charge so he could play football. Like he knows how much he has riding on this season in particular. And so I have, I've got high hopes for the DBs too. It's it's quarterback is tough because Burmeister didn't show a great ability to throw down the field, if at all. And he is good with his legs, and we should have another strong offensive line. But uh, there's not a lot behind him right now, (laughs) not with experience. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've come to learn not to question quarterbacks going into another season because we just watched a Heisman (laughs) candidate that was literally ranked like one of the (laughs) middle-of-the-road worst quarterbacks. Uh, So maybe he just took this off season and really just buckled down. I have no clue. And it could be just the same that we saw when he was out there before, or maybe he just turns it on. I, I, I think it's going to be a question mark. And anybody that thinks that they know is probably just guessing because he, he has the ability and he has the ability to run. He has the ability and he, he does, he can't throw deep, but he can throw well accurately inside of like 20 yards that's enough to pick apart defenses. So we'll see. I yeah. don't know. And you you would have to assume it's not going to be Khalil Herbert, but with the running backs we have, we'll be able to get a push up front and get some decent yardage through the run game. And if if Trey can stay healthy, if Robinson can take another step forward, if Payout can stay healthy, Mitchell is out there with those guys, he should have weapons. I mean, it should open up, but – we're we're kind of playing this game with tech right now where if this goes right, if this goes right, if this goes right, and you know it's not all going to go right. So it kind of just depends on what falls down. Like, does the offensive line depth hold up? Because once we get into, like, two or three guys get hurt, like, you could be in a bad way. Same with the defensive line. So we got to stay healthy. We are not one of those teams in college football that can afford to lose a bunch of guys and pull off these wins. I think think just adding to your point, I think scheme this year is going to be – this is going to be the defining moment of Fuente, like scheme this year of can you get Mitchell into open space? Can you get use Robinson the right way? Can you, you know, if you use Trey the right way, like I think this is going to be a defining year, not just because of like we've had five years that didn't like go well. I think it's because you have the, the pieces not all of them. They're not perfect. The chessboard is not amazing, but you have the pieces to actually do something. If you scheme it right, you can not not go to like, I'm not talking about like winning a national championship, but like you should have the chess, you have the chess pieces to win a good amount of games. And that's right. why I think this year is even more important than ever. It's like, you got to be able to use these chess pieces. Yeah, the scheme is going to be the difference between Five and seven, or eight and four, nine and three, or four and twelve. You know, like yeah. <laughs> four, four and eight. This—that's what it's going to be like. I mean, 
and it's a pivotal year and it starts that first weekend against UNC and Big then you game. got WVU with Neil Brown a couple weeks later in Morgantown not going to be an easy game to win so no, right not off with the Neil bat, Brown's defense and no. like it, right off the bat you're you're going to have some tough tests and I'm in a way I guess if we aren't deep it's better to play some of those tougher games up front in the beginning of the season I agree yeah I mean we're we're going to know by week 3 what we're dealing with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like there's no doubt in my mind, you're going to us versus WVU and us against UNC. You're going to basically know what you're doing. Maybe we like ring off, but all our home games are, are front loaded too early. So like you're basically, if if you're not doing well in that first half of the season, like it could get really out of hand. Yeah. And, but you could set yourself up a win against like UNC and then pull off that W or WVU win, and then you're going into Notre Dame. I think is week six or something. Yeah, it's pretty like. early. It's October six, so it's it's Richmond and Middle Tennessee, and then like Notre Dame. Yeah, like yeah. it's you I could mean, have a very good record potentially going into that game if you play strong at the beginning of the year. And we also have that second year evaluation of Justin Hamilton yes. and how that defense comes together. And maybe maybe they surprise us because coming out of COVID, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises this year in college football across the board. Just yeah. teams that were really snake bitten, maybe they have the off season that brings it together, and all of a sudden they go from two wins to eight wins or you know whatever. But I'm hoping that Jay Ham is. There was a lot of teams that wanted him. He's he's a, a a rising star as they thought in college football and. We'll see if that's the case this year. If he's able to get all these new coaches together and and make a defense that could compete with some of Buds, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, even last year, I was I was surprised. I thought it was going to be even more of a dumpster fire than it was, and somehow he that's still something. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, that's it's so hard to like go into that situation. And, and we also lost all of our safeties at the yeah. beginning of the year, and that was really tough. Anyway, all right, that's going to pretty much do it for the podcast. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. We had been away for a bit, but now you got two podcasts in a row from us, and we shouldn't be be away for too, too long. We do have vacations coming up and this and that, but we're trying to figure out how we want to attack the rest of the offseason, whether we want to do the game previews or different position previews or whatever. I got to talk to Robbie and and – get some ideas uh, brainstorm about how we want to present or the rest let us, of the offseason to you and guys. And also let us know what you guys want to hear. Like if you don't want to hear game by game, you just want to hear like a lot of times we've just split it six and six where we, mm-hmm. we've done it that in the past. So I think we're on. Yeah, we year. basically do like what we would do during the season, but six of the teams, we, we give you an idea of what to look for from them. And then we do the other six yeah. and that's, it's a fair amount of research for us, but it helps us later in the year. Typically. <laughs> Yeah, because then we're then we're all suited up and ready to go, unless there's any injuries. So uh, yeah, yeah. appreciate your patience with us not recording for a bit, but I think it's going to amount to us being energized and ready to go. Did you end up getting any of the preview mags yet? I, I had to go get that Athlon before I head to the beach this summer. No, I have I haven't got them yet. I'm I'm about to go out and get all. Which of ones them. do you normally go by? 
I always do steel and then Athlon. That's, those are the only yeah. two. I, and then sometimes like when I'm bored, like at the airport, if I'm actually traveling, then I'll do some of the others. Like I'll just like pick them up because I have yeah, like Lindy's or there's a, yeah, there's a few other ones out there. Yeah, But yeah, I love Athlon is the one I, I tend to trust the most these days. I used to be always Bill Phil Steele, but lately I've been skewing towards Athlon. I feel like they're it's, just a little bit more accurate. It's not even just the accurate. It's just like, it's like verbal diarrhea. Presentation. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, verbal diarrhea and like pills. And quite honestly, like, I, I listen, I, I will never know any a quarter or eighth of what Phil Steele knows. But like, if you actually read the page on like any team, there's only like a small excerpt that's about this big on like what he actually thinks is going to happen. And like the on rest this is season. just regurgitating stats from like what happened last season and who's like, coming back and that bothers me to like no end like it's just like it's a small paragraph on the bottom right hand corner of the left hand page every single time and every and it's just there's nothing there and if you have bad eyes you can't read it yeah and like (laughs) it's so small yeah i like the presentation in athlon and yeah i like him too but the presentation in athlon is great and you also get the stephen godfrey written um what other coaches say it's he writes best. a lot of those, and those are so great on on every team. They usually no, like, he what writes other all coaches? of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's he was just talking about it yesterday on the. I listened to him all the time. Split zone, yeah. He was on split zone, and he says he writes all of them, and he has like they have to like narrate them back, like cut cut out some <laughs> of the stuff that he says. Um, Godfrey yeah, is those like, are those are some of the best parts of the of that magazine. Yeah. Godfrey is the biggest grumpy old dad that you would ever imagine, but he is so tied into college football. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. You know, when Witt was talking about like how the other teams are scouting us during that December press conference, I, I would love for Godfrey had to have been there and been like, actually, this is what I have from what other teams are saying about you. <laughs> that would have been classic. Anyway. All right. Well, that's going to do it. You could hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. It's 2dvt.com. That's the website. Um, and then Apple Podcasts, find us. Spotify, I know everyone's using Spotify these days for their podcast, or a lot of people are. We're on there as well. Pretty much anywhere you, you can find us. So make sure to hit us back with how you want us to get after the off season with, with recording and that kind of thing. But we appreciate the listens. We appreciate the comments and the likes and all that kind of stuff. And make sure you review, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, go Hokies.